What's worse, fructose-sweetened drinks or glucose-sweetened drinks? For some time, we've lacked consensus on the degree of punishment our bodies take from drinks sugared by these simple carbohydrates. For now, fructose may again be wearing the crown, scoring unhealthy points in abdominal adiposity and raising triglyceride and LDL levels, among other things. You're listening to ReachMD on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, your host. My guest today is Dr. Kimber Stanhope, a nutritional biologist from the University of California, Davis. Dr. Stanhope is the lead author of a recent study published in the Journal of Clinical Investigation on the consumption of fructose-sweetened and glucose-sweetened beverages. Dr. Stanhope, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much, Dr. Caskell. I'm very pleased to be here. Kimber, I think there's a lot of confusion out there still about what is worse. Is fructose worse? Is high fructose bad? Is it sucrose? Is it glucose? Can you help us kind of tease out the particulars? Certainly. Some of your question is very easy to answer based on the results of our study, fructose versus glucose. However, we didn't study high fructose corn syrup, but I'll address how relevant I think our results are to high fructose corn syrup. Yes, why don't we talk about the outline of your study and how you set it up and what kind of results you got. Great. Well, we studied 32 older and overweight men and women for 12 weeks. Now, for the first two weeks of the study, they lived at the clinical research center and they ate only the food we provided. Mm Mm-hmm. The meals contained just enough calories to prevent weight loss or weight gain. They consisted of lots of complex carbohydrate. Now, during these two weeks at the research center, the subjects participated in numerous experimental procedures. Some of them weren't even discussed in the paper that's already been published. They'll be in future papers. Some of these procedures lasted more than 24 hours. They were very tedious, and we're very grateful to our subjects for dealing with them. Now, at the beginning of the third week of study, the subjects returned home, taking with them three servings a day of glucose or fructose-sweetened beverage. Mm -hmm. Now, we instructed them to drink one serving of beverage with each meal and to not consume any other sweet beverages, including fruit juice. Okay. Now, our only other diet instruction was for them to consume their usual diet ad libitum. Okay. After eight weeks of living at home and drinking the three servings a day of the sugar-sweetened beverages, the subjects returned to the clinical research center for another two-week stay. Now, this time, we served diets containing exactly the same number of calories as at the beginning of the study, but they also drank a sugar-sweetened beverage with each meal, and they just consumed less of the bread, rice, and pasta. And, of course, we repeated all the same experimental procedures that were performed at the beginning of the study. So before you even got your results, what was your hypothesis? What were you expecting to see? We actually started studying fructose from the obesity point of view. We are an endocrinology lab, and we were very intensely interested in the study of leptin, Mm -hmm. the fat hormone released by adipose cells that increases energy expenditure and also reduces food intake. And we had done a study over 10 years ago in monkeys in which we infused fructose 
and glucose, and we found that the infusion of glucose made leptin go up, but the infusion of fructose kept leptin at no change. So can I jump in there for a sec? Yes. So my understanding is that you know glucose will obviously raise glucose levels and has a high glycemic index, whereas fructose somehow goes pretty quickly to the liver, so doesn't have a very high glycemic index and kind of is like a stealth sugar that goes right to the liver, you know, gets turned into triglycerides, into fat. Am I right in that? Exactly. You've got it down. So even though the fructose isn't raising blood sugars, it's still causing enormous silent damage. Right. Okay. And... I'll just take over the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> but... In answer to your original question, why we cared about fructose versus glucose, we thought it was possible that the fructose consumption was contributing to the obesity epidemic because it did not raise leptin Mm -hmm. and therefore was causing people to burn less energy and consume more energy. However... The results from this study, we can't say that. Even though fructose doesn't cause increased leptin levels, subjects consuming glucose for that eight weeks they lived at home gained just as much body fat Hmm. and just as much body weight as the subjects consuming fructose. Okay. Therefore, that hypothesis Hmm. was wrong. Okay. Well, at least according to this study. However, however, was wrong. However, yes, exactly. However, we did find the increased weight gain was not deposited in the same place for the two different groups. Hmm. The subjects consuming fructose tended to increase visceral adiposity, right. mm-hmm. intra-abdominal fat, whereas the subjects consuming glucose deposited more subcutaneous fat. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to ReachMDXM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell, your host. My guest today is a nutritional biologist, Dr. Kimber Stanhope from the University of California, Davis. And we're talking about one of my favorite topics, the impact of various sugars on different fat deposits throughout your body. So again, you said the fructose caused an increase in visceral adiposity, glucose went to the normal places, button thighs, and supposedly those are not as metabolically active sites. Right, yes. This was a completely unexpected result. We didn't even have any hypothesis originally suggesting that any such thing would happen. Took us by surprise. The other results, the increase in dyslipidemia, Mm -hmm. our subjects consuming fructose having increased postprandial triglycerides, remnant lipoproteins, they had increased fasting levels of apolipoprotein B, total cholesterol, LDL cholesterol, small dense LDL cholesterol, Mm -hmm. oxidized. Everything. Everything bad comes from the fructose. Right. Unbelievable. Basically, it's really, according to our hypothesis, mechanism, it is mediated by high levels of triglycerides. Mm -hmm. That's really the bad guy. And you can't determine whether a person has high levels of triglyceride that is going to promote these effects Mm -hmm. just by measuring fasting triglycerides. Right. It's a joke. I mean, I always tell my patients, do you live in a fasting state? Right. They come in for blood work. Oh, I'm not fasting, doctor. I'm like, 
okay, well, I'd like to know what your blood looks like throughout the day. Right. And yeah. so, yeah, we have to get away from fasting triglycerides because anyone can prepare and practice for their blood test. They mm-hmm. can, you know, avoid the alcohol the night before and avoid all their, uh, you know, their cakes the night before. Right. So let's uh, extrapolate and move into the real world. Okay, great. What would you, Kimber Stanhope, do if you were in charge of public policy and you ran the strongest government in the world and you needed some cash for your, for your treasury? What would you do? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it in terms of cash. Well, you needed to raise some revenue. Do you believe that fructose beverages are contributing to the epidemic of obesity and diabetes in this country? Okay. I will answer you as a registered dietitian talking to my client who consumes the average amount of added sugars that they say U.S. citizens (laughs) consume. Okay. Go ahead. Say the safe, politically correct statement. Okay. The USDA Economic Bulletin released in 2008 shows that the average American per capita consumption, in which it's already been corrected for waste, is 477 calories per day. This is very near 25% of a 2,000-calorie-a-day diet. Therefore, the real important question is we already know people are consuming very high amounts of sugar. The important question is how do our results compare to the consumption of the sugars people are consuming, high fructose corn syrup and sucrose. People are not consuming foods and beverages sweetened with fructose or with glucose, right? Right. Instead, all the sugars are a combination of both. So, How do our results compare to the combination sugars, sucrose and high fructose corn syrup? Well, we can look at two things. First, the epidemiological evidence. There are a number of studies coming out, several of them, eight of them in the last two years, that shows that the consumption of sugar-sweetened beverages is associated with the development of type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, fatty liver, insulin resistance, and even in children, higher levels of small dense LDL. Of course, now somebody in other political parties is going to say epidemiological evidence does not prove cause and effect. So what do we know? We only have one study done so far in which we directly compare consumption of high fructose corn syrup and sucrose with the consumption of fructose. This was a study that was done in our lab. It was eight men. Right. Okay? These eight men were studied on four different days. On each day, they consumed a different sugar, either the glucose, the fructose, the high fructose corn syrup, or the sucrose with their meals, and we collected blood all day long. For this study, we found that The postprandial triglyceride levels were just as high when sucrose and high fructose corn syrup were consumed as fructose. Mm -hmm. Only when glucose was consumed were the triglyceride levels low. Therefore, even though this is a short-term study Mm -hmm. and even though evidence 
that long-term consumption of high fructose corn syrup and sucrose, we don't know for sure yet how they compares to what we saw with fructose. I would say it is extremely safe to recommend reduce your added sugar consumption down to more like 10% of calories rather than 25% of calories. Now, there might eventually turn out to be data to show, nah, it's not nearly as bad as fructose. High fructose corn syrup and sucrose aren't as bad. I actually don't think that's what it's going to turn out to be, but there's no risk related to reducing sugar consumption. There very well can be risks. Waiting another four or five years for the scientists to do the definitive studies, and actually we're doing it right now, and continuing to consume 477 calories of added sugar a day, waiting for the real answer. So in terms of diet recommendations, I absolutely positively would suggest less than 10% of calories as added sugar. All right. Thank you. So what about natural fructose that we find in fruits? And what about crystalline fructose that's used in certain products also? Do you have an opinion on either of those? I definitely have an opinion on the fruit consumption. Basically, without a doubt, I can give you a long, long list of fruits that all have only 4 to 5 grams of fructose per 100 grams of fruit. That means you would have to eat an entire pound of sugar Mm -hmm. all at one time to flood your liver with the same amount of fructose you're sending it when you drink a 12-ounce can of soda. So give me three good fruits to recommend to my patients. Strawberries. Okay. Peaches. Cantaloupe. Excellent. And give me three that have a higher the glycemic highest load. The would be in a banana uh-huh. and an apple and a mango. Interesting. What about pineapples? I've heard those. Pineapples also... low. Really? Yes. So I can start eating pineapple again? Yes. Well, on that note, uh, Dr. Kimber Stanhope, thank you so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure. My guest was Dr. Kimber Stanhope from the University of California, and we were talking about the science behind the connection between different sugars and how they affect adiposity and other health risks. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and you've been listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thanks for listening.